For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. All right, I'm going to try today to straighten out this Brian Reynolds thing because one thing I can promise you is that Ben Charrington will not do that for you. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. All kinds of headlines in all kinds of cities at this point, swirling about the Pirates' best player. Most of them, if consumed within like the same cereal bowl, would give one the impression that Reynolds is heading elsewhere sooner rather than later. And nothing that anyone associated with the Pirates is going to speak publicly will add even the slightest semblance of clarity to that situation. So, here I am. I'm going to give this a shot, all right? Best of my ability based on the countless conversations that I had last week in Bradenton with everyone from Charrington on way up to the top. First, though, here was Charrington's response yesterday when asked about the Reynolds matter in Bradenton. Brian's a really good player, you know, and he's young and we're not winning yet. So um, that you, you combine all those things. And of course, like, you know, that means teams are going to call. And so teams call and um, those calls are, are incoming calls. <laughs> They're not outgoing calls. Um, and I just tell Brian the same thing. You know, but hey, like we have to be prepared to every once in a while um, because those teams are going to call. Um, someone's going to get some information somehow from that, and it's going to be out there in the, um, in the in the in the in the world for people to read about. And um, the, the great thing about Brian is that he, I think, really could care less. I mean, he. Um, he is a baseball player. He is uh, so focused on what he's doing on the field. Um, you know, I, th- I think the hardest, I'm not, this isn't specific to Brian. I think the hardest thing for players in that situation is it's not just, it's not so much them. It's, it's family. It's the other people that are impacted by that. And, you know, everyone's got lives to live. And um, so what we try to do is we just, again, try to, stay in communication with players um, and share as much as we possibly can, you know, about what's going on or what's not going on. And if, and there are times when if there's some specific, something specific that's reported um, that we can follow up with, follow up on with a player and um, just help clarify. 
then sure, we'll do that. And um, I have done that in the past with, with other players too, with the Pirates in the last couple of years. Yeah. All right, not much there, right? Okay, that's just how it goes. GMs don't talk about contracts while they're being negotiated. The next GM who does that will be the first in the history of organized sport. And because the Reynolds matter, whether it's a trade or whether it's the arbitration or whatever, the extension involves a contract, the GM's not going to talk about it. That's not a nefarious, pirate-specific thing. It's across the board, again, throughout human history, really. So I'm going to try here myself to piece together everything that I picked up down there in dialogue that was on the record, off the record, from a lot of different parties, and share it with you here. To start, will the Pirates trade Reynolds? I have been adamant about this for weeks now on this show, based on having been told by someone who would absolutely know that the answer to that is an emphatic no. Reynolds will not be traded. Mark it down, check the box, save the tape, send it to at freezing cold takes on Twitter in anticipation that I'll end up being wrong, and I still won't. Not based on this source speaking it as they did. We good with that much? No? Yeah? Maybe? Well, I'll go to the other stuff then. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Okay, the extension. Since he's not being traded, then why haven't the Pirates approached Reynolds about an extension? My understanding from the team is that this is their number one goal with this player. Why haven't they done it yet? They feel like during the ongoing period that's known in baseball commonly as file and trial, they're not really in a good position to do that. Are they bluffing? Are they BSing? Quite possibly. In this case, the intonation that I felt from the people who spoke with me was nowhere near as convincing as what I'd got on the we're not trading him front. But I also got the sense that some of their trepidation in this setting was wondering whether or not Reynolds himself or his representatives, the agency CAA, were even going to engage the Pirates seriously in extension talks. Now, my understanding from the other side meaning Reynolds and CAA, is that they'd absolutely engage. They'd welcome it. They'd roll out a red carpet. Heck, they might even sign. The player likes being with the Pirates, likes being part of the Pirates, likes his teammates, likes the staff, likes the environment, likes the city, the whole thing. The whole thing. It's all there. 
So on this one, uh, you're not going to hear me speak as emphatically as I did on the trade subject. So take that one wherever it is that you will. The other one is the arbitration, and this one is the screwiest of all of them. Why are the pirates in mired in an arbitration process, nitpicking over 600 grand with their best player. Why did one of these people, one of these sources of mine, refer to this very thing as, and I quote directly, idiotic? And then nothing still came of it. Yes, file and trial is an unwritten rule. You're supposed to let the process play out. We have seen Three teams this week, despite that, settle with players in terms of avoiding arbitration. My understanding is that the Pirates would prefer to do that as well. But if any kind of discussion is going on right now between the Pirates and CAA, it's not something that anybody's sharing. Why did they do this in the first place? Let me see if I can find a way to try to explain this in a way that's fair to all concerned. Let me think about this one here for a second. All right, here, let's go with this. Because this was given to me in confidence, and I'm not about to betray that confidence. Let's just say that what happened was not supposed to happen. Okay? And by the time it did happen, the team was not in a position to reverse it. Now, is that the team's fault? Yes, of course. You know, there's supposed to be procedures in place where that can be avoided. It should be avoided. But I also know from my own background on the beat that the arbitration procedures kind of happen on their own island. This goes back to Dave Littlefield times. Believe it or not, that's a full-time job. And not knowing the current situation anywhere near as well as I did back in Littlefield times when I was first on the beat on a daily basis, that individual who was responsible for that might as well have been operating out of an office on Pluto. That's how autonomous he was. So take from that, actually take from all of this, whatever it is that you want. I'm sharing with you what I've learned along the way some of it i find way more convincing than other parts of it but all i'm doing here is just basically emptying it out for you as much as i can when we come back just one question who asks, I've got a question about Mitch Keller's 100-mile-an-hour fastball. What kind of movement is he getting on the number one? I'm going to tell you, based on the two times that I watched him pitch with my own eyes in Bradenton, Dave, that I have not been floored by the movement. Uh, the first of those two times was in a live batting practice session, so I wouldn't take that too seriously. You're not really, even though you're getting 
up there in MPH, you're just not as into the game and using other stuff that might lead or contribute to some movement, most of which, when it involves a four-seamer, can be unexpected even for the pitcher and the catcher. I haven't seen great movement, and I haven't seen, uh, not just now, but at any point in Keller's Starcross career, a significant deception component to his delivery that can contribute to the hitter's laying off your fastball or being off it time-wise. And that was another thing that struck me in that live BP. Now, getting to the actual game in which I covered him, I loved the location. I will say that. I will say that in addition to the velocity. I loved the location. I loved where he was putting the fastball. Uh, The fact that he was using both halves of the plate. The fact that he was gasp underscore throwing inside. But he was. He was making that happen too. But then the outing in which I saw him pitch in a Grapefruit League game, he and Roberto Perez were also really focused on the off-speed stuff. Uh, As Perez had told me after that particular game, they really wanted to make sure that not only Keller is feeling the off-speed stuff, but that Perez himself had a feel for it, only having caught Keller a couple times prior to that and neither of those in a game. So that ended up being the case in Keller's final start this week as well, where there was a lot of emphasis on the off-speed stuff. But I get the impression here, Dave, that you were asking me if the ramped-up velocity would somehow have led to some kind of Charlie Morton slash Kip Wells movement. You know what I'm talking about, I'm sure, uh, where the the ball just goes places that the pitcher doesn't even expect. It has a natural movement, a tail on it. I did not see that, nor did I hear anyone speak to that effect. I'm not saying any of this to knock Keller. I'm just trying to answer the question as factually uh, as possible. He has, over this offseason, become a more dangerous pitcher with a more powerful arsenal. But I don't see something there in watching him where I go, Wow, that's just a complete unhittable package. He's still got a lot of work to do in that regard. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.